Welcome to the Book Club Girl podcast, where we chat about great books with awesome authors, and you, our listeners, get to ask the questions. I'm Tavi Kowalchuk, and we're talking about poetry today, which reminds me a huge congratulations to Louise Gluck for winning the Nobel Prize for Literature. It's so wonderful to see her receive this honor, and it's just so cool that it went to an American this year. Yeah, I totally agree. Isn't it? I mean, it's just so exciting. But before I read poets like Louise Gluck or Charles Stimmick or Simon Armitage, I used to read Shel Silverstein when I was a kid. His poems delighted and inspired me so much so, Eliza, that as a 10-year-old girl, I sent a sample of my writing to him at his publisher's office. I still remember my mom like helping me address the envelope. But listen to this. 15 years later, I showed up for my first day of work at the very same address. What? That is such an amazing story. Isn't that so cool? How sweet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, Do you think your letter is still like tucked into some file around the office somewhere? Well, I think that Shel Silverstein received it and it's in his personal files. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever they may be since he's, since he's deceased, whoever has them now, it's definitely there. <laughs> I'm Eliza Rosenberry, and I I have to admit, I don't read a ton of poetry. I think I need to do better about incorporating it into my reading. I just end up being so – I don't know if other people feel this way, but I just end up being like so plot to plot to plot. And, and I actually have a hard time with nonfiction too for the same reason. Like I just sort of get in the mindset of novel, novel, novel. So anyway, maybe I need to do a little bit more – like mindful poetry reading. But one poet whose books I do have and whose work I really love is Mary Oliver. And she just writes so beautifully about nature and human connection. And she has this one collection of poetry called Dog Songs. And it's poems that are about or or addressed to her, her dogs. And they're just so lovely. And I remember when she passed away a few years ago, I pulled out that collection and and read it through again. It's just really, it sounds like it would be a little bit of a gimmick, but it's really lovely and and sweet. And I know there's a few of her poems that are often on the, um, I've been to a few weddings where her poetry is is read um, during the ceremony. And so I bet people are familiar with her work. I am often stumbling across her work, whether it's like you said, like at a wedding or someone posted it on Facebook or mm-hmm. she's definitely left an impression, Mary Oliver. Yeah, I think so too. As has um, our guest today. Oh my God. On today's show, we are so honored to be speaking with a true living legend, award-winning poet, Nikki Giovanni, about her new book, Make Me Rain. And now we present to you, Make Me Rain Abridged. Make Me Rain is a collection of poetry and short writings from Nikki Giovanni. Named one of Oprah Winfrey's 25 Living Legends, the winner of seven NAACP Image Awards, the first recipient of the Rosa Parks Courage Award, Ebony Magazine's Woman of the Year, and countless other awards and honors, Nikki Giovanni's poetry has inspired, enlightened, and captivated generations of readers. She is a cherished and affirming voice of culture, tradition, and the issues of our time. In Make Me Rain, Nikki Giovanni challenges readers with a powerful and deeply personal collection of verse that speaks to the injustices of society while illuminating the depths of her own heart. Some of the writings in Make Me Rain display and explore everyday joys and pleasures. Others are emotional direct addresses to loved ones or public figures. 
and some wrestle powerfully with racism and white nationalism. Eliza, what did you think of these poems? These works were so incredibly powerful and moving. You know, as I mentioned, I don't read a ton of poetry, but um, I fell right into this book. You know, it really because the the works are so short, it's it makes it very easy to slip in and sort of keep moving and finding threads of commonalities between each of the works and picking up on some of the motifs and ideas, which I know we're going to talk about with Nikki. And I remember seeing, you know, sometimes these poems circulate on Instagram or Facebook. And I remember seeing Nikki's poem, which is called it's not in this collection, but it's called Black Lives Matter, Not a Hashtag, which was circulated a lot earlier this year. And that's an incredibly powerful poem. And my favorite of hers is called Allowables, where she talks about killing a spider. And that one has really stuck with me um, since I read it. But it was such a treat to get to read this new collection. Yeah, I was, I think I said earlier that I feel a little bit like out of my depth, like poetry, you know, even though I was an English major, it's still kind of intimidates me a little bit. And me too. Me too. I feel the same way. And, you know, I'm really interested to hear from Nikki what she thinks the phrase make me rain means. Hmm. She puts it forward in a, a couple ways actually in the book. And she refers a lot to water. And, you know, the way that I kind of interpreted make me rain was when she's made to rain, she's spreading her gifts and her love throughout the hmm. world. I feel oh, like yeah, there's so much love in this book and she really sort of owns herself as a poet. Obviously, she's got decades of time to be comfortable with that, but that's how I sort of interpreted it. Um, and I also thought that this book definitely bears a second reading. Hmm. The poems talk to each other, you know, in a way that's very self-referential and I, I wish I was more familiar with her other works because I suspect that this volume of poetry is just one passage of a longer conversation that she's been having with America for decades. For decades. Yes. Yeah. There's so I wonder how many collections she's released. It must be her Wikipedia is insane. I, I was I could not <laughs> believe it. I mean, whatever. It's like her books are astounding, the number of projects she's worked on, but then the awards mm. go on forever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know we only we only listed a few in her bio, but there's tons and tons on her website, and she's so decorated. Um, it's incredible and so deservedly so. Mm -hmm. It's it's incredible, and I would like to go back and read some of her earlier works because one thing that I noticed in this collection is that she really is is engaging, like you mentioned in the abridged. She's really engaging with like current public figures and current. Um, you know, things that are happening, current events, things that are happening in the news. She's talking, she's referencing other texts. You know, she's talking about one of the poems, which I want to ask her about, it sort of references the New York Times 1619 project. And so I'm just curious, like if her works have always been that engaged with the current moment and the current sort of touch points and how those read years later, like I'm so curious to know what that reading experience would be like. I think she has. My, my understanding of her history is that she's sort of is equal parts activist and mm -hmm. poet. Yeah, she's definitely very political. So you mentioned your favorite poem. And mm -hmm. I can't pick a favorite because there's one that her dog writes to, to – well, it's like she writes it in the – obviously, Nikki wrote it, but to, to her <laughs> <No>. mom. <laughs> and it's the cutest poem. But in this poem, with, with the title of the poem is Cool – and she suggests that the world needs jazz and religion, not to set it straight, but to set it cool. Oh, I love that. 
And I just love that idea. Like we don't need to be strained out. We just need to be cool. That's so great. There's something, I mean, like we were talking about, there's a lot of, you know, really intense, passionate ideas and powerful ideas here that are about race and racism and hate and sort of living in a world where those things exist. There's also so many poems here that are just about little pleasures that she experiences day to day, a lot of them having to do with nature or the outdoors. And I just loved reading those. They were so lovely and and sort of prompted me as the reader to do some like reflection and sort of like almost meditative a little bit reading those poems. I it's so funny you say that because I remember reading this and at one point there was this very very intense poem about race and she go harkens back to slavery and it's a very intense political poem and then you turn the page and it's this poem about nature and goldfish and and yeah and I looked back and the poem before the political poem was also a lighter topic and it made me think about music and albums when people used to listen to albums in order did Nikki intend for us to read these in order or just hmm. pick up and open up and oh that's so interesting like put it on shuffle yeah <laughs> oh that's so interesting We are just so, so super excited to have Nikki join us on the podcast today and um, can't wait to get started. Oh my God. I can't wait to talk to her. I can't wait to hear what she has to say. Cheers, Tavia. Cheers, Eliza. We love to hear from listeners. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes and send us your feedback there or on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this episode. And you can also join our Facebook group, which is called the Book Club Girls to participate in all the conversations there with other book lovers and send us your questions for the authors who appear on the show, like Nikki Giovanni. You can find the group at facebook.com slash groups slash the book club girls. Today, we're joined by Nikki Giovanni, whose book Make Me Rain is out now. Welcome, Nikki, to the book club girl podcast. I'm so glad to to be with the book club girls. And thank you very much. So Nikki, to start our conversation off, there are so many incredible new poems and writings that are gathered together in Make Me Rain. And Tavi and I have discussed it a little bit already, but I wondered if you could share if there's, to you as the author, if there's one overarching theme or idea that tied the book together for you. Well, I think the rain ties the book together because uh, without water, you know, you, you can't do anything. You you. You can live quite a, a long time without food, but you cannot live very long without water. And in thinking about that, uh, because I, I have a little fish pond, and so I have some poems about about my little fish pond. And when I put that in, it, it was something we put in. When we had it dug out, you know, we put uh, rocks in there. And then oh, about a year, all of a sudden we had moss growing on the rocks. And it's just what the moss and the rocks decided to do. And I thought, well, isn't that clever that if you put water, if you put anything in water long enough, it will grow, it will root. I love the the titular poem that sort of starts off the book. Um, and I wasn't sure when I started reading if it meant make me rain, like make me start raining or make me into rain, which I loved. And later in the book, there's a short poem called In the Evening, where you say, when the sun seeks rest, I evaporate, I become its wind. And I and I wanted to ask a little bit about how you connect your narrative voice in these poems to these natural cycles of raining and evaporation and, and why you do that. 
it actually seems quite normal to me that that's what rain does, actually. Uh, the first poem in the book is Make Me Rain, which actually is an old jazz tune. You both look too young to be that deeply into jazz, but it's an old jazz tune. And I was dealing with it because it, it's, it's a love poem. And so I was dealing with if, if it's rain, then when it gets cold, it's ice. It does different things. And if, if you put it on your tongue, it will, again, change. And uh, I, I, I love that. There's also uh, R-E-I-G-N, and I could have used uh, that kind of rain, but I didn't want, I wanted the, the natural rain, and the natural rain does evaporate. So you mm. get, uh, if you're out there with your garden, we, we're going to get dew. And just because it's been uh, chilly, because it's winter is coming. And so what we're going to get now is we don't have to water the garden anymore because the rain is taking care of it. The rain is 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 giving it rain at, at uh, in the evening or in the early morning, you get to do. Different things do different things. I wanted to ask you about your poem, Lemonade Grows from Soil Too. You write, we need poetry because it brings the light of love. And here and elsewhere in the book, you seem to suggest that the poet and poetry are providers of love and comfort. Would you expand on this idea? And I would just love to hear about how you think poetry fits into the world. That was because um, Beyonce did an album. And yep. uh, I was invited to be a part of that. When I thought about it, uh, I think her poem, the, the album was Lemonade. And yes, in yes. trying to do the um, forward for the album, it turned out, and I thought, well, yeah, lemonade grows from soil. And so that, you know, when you get to the last couple of lines, so Beyonce can grow you know, you, you need you need soil, of course, but you also need the water. And I wanted to deal with that, that, that she's going to do an album and, and that's going to be the music, but the music is the water that's going to make people feel better. It's going to cheer people up. It's going to teach people something. Yeah. And uh, I just like the idea because I thought nobody thinks about what we owe the water to. I wanted to just throw a little bit of history in because maybe some of her people who love her music don't know some of the background of how we got to Lemonade. So that's mm-hmm. what I tried to do there. And I had, I had fun doing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It was. It, I, I appreciated the way that it sort of took us on this journey and it was a little tricky, but in the end it was like, oh, okay. I like that poem very much. Nikki, you mentioned, you know, you described yourself as being a political poet. And I wanted that sort of brings me to my next question, which was about your poem called 1619 Jamestown, but not only an answer to the New York Times, which is obviously engaging with the New York Times and current events and current conversations about history. And you have a very powerful description of a grandmother giving her grandson a peanut in that poem and how that peanut is a promise. And I wondered if you could talk about how you thought about that peanut and what it represented to you in that poem. Well, uh, the New York Times uh, magazine had certain years that they wanted dealt with. And they were kind enough to call me and ask, would I be interested in writing something? And I said, yeah, I would be. But I was interested in writing what I wrote. And uh, it was rejected, (laughs) which is amazing because I've gone through all of these years and I haven't been rejected. And lately I've been rejected a couple of times. I'm like, wow, I don't know if it's me or what. But I, <laughs> I like 1619 because that was a beginning. And I did try to think. I live in Virginia, which is the peanut state, as you know. But we're not the peanut state. The peanuts mm. are not 
indigenous to Virginia. Someone had to bring them over. And I tried to think of who would have done that. This is my story, so I get to write it, as it were, my way. And all I could think of was a grandmother, because grandmothers are the ones who tell you things and give you things and ask you to take care of them. And I wanted to do the peanut just because the peanut is uh, so particular to America as it came as it became America. Uh, and of course, George Washington Carver uh, did a lot of other things, you know, with Tuskegee and stuff. But I thought about the boy who put that peanut in his hand and kept it. And no matter what was going on with him, no matter what was being done to him, he kept the peanut. And when he was finally put on a plantation or a community, however we look at it, he planted it. And people did. People said, you know, we're going to run away tonight. You know, Don't you want to come with us? And uh, he, he said, no, I, I promised. I, mean, I promised my grandmother. And of course, nobody understands those kind of promises. Everybody's uh -huh. like, oh, you're just a coward or you're just a fool or whatever it is. But he had a promise to keep. And I, uh -huh. I wanted to tie that together, as I did, actually, with Virginia, yeah. because Virginia had a promise to keep. The difference being that child, that boy, kept his promise to his grandmother because peanuts grew and continued to grow in Virginia. And George Washington Carver found peanut butter. And look at the things that he did with it. They found that. Right. But Virginia has not kept his promise. And, and so I just wanted to show, you know, hey, if he can keep his promise, why can't, why can't Virginia keep its? I have a son. That's a story I wanted him to think about. A promise was made and, and a promise needed to be kept. As you know, we're the Book Club Girl podcast, so we are a podcast for book clubs. And one of our listeners, because we usually talk about fiction, every now and then we'll do a memoir, but we really wanted to obviously talk about Make Me Rain. And one of our listeners, you know, I, I think they're used to reading novels, not so much poetry. And so one of our listeners, this woman named Vesna, has a question for you. And the question is, what would you say to a reader who wants to pick up Make Me Rain, but is hesitant about reading poetry? <laughs> I don't see why. <laughs> I, I really don't. There's probably nothing as uh, warm and as enjoyable as poetry. Poetry is just a song. And, and it's something mm -hmm. you can read. And every time you read poetry, it's like listening to a song. Every time you hear a song, you hear something different. You can hear the same song over and over again. And it surprises you. The very same song by the very same people. And it surprises you every time. There's no reason to not enjoy poetry. You're listening to the Book Club Girl podcast, where our guest this week is Nikki Giovanni, whose book Make Me Rain is out now. You can read more about Nikki's books at bookclubgirl.com. Coming up on the Book Club Girl podcast, we ask Nikki about her literary white whale. Stick around. This episode of the Book Club Girl podcast is brought to you by The Compton Cowboys, a compellingly reported book by Walter Thompson Hernandez about the centuries-old tradition of Black cowboys in the heart of Los Angeles, available now wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the show. Each week, we bring you a fascinating new conversation with an author who's written a book we think is a great choice for book clubs to read together. Today, legendary award-winning poet Nikki Giovanni is here with us answering questions about her latest collection, Make Me Rain. Another one of the sort of recurring motifs or ideas in Make Me Rain is about outer space. 
you have a poem called Life on Mars, where you say you'll run away and live on space. And um, you have a poem called You Talk About Rape, where you say, if anyone should go into space, it's me. So can I ask, what is the promise of space? You know, how do you think about space? What does it mean for you? I think Earth is uh, just hasn't worked that well. And um, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm really glad that, uh, you know, God doesn't call me and say, you know, Nick, what do you what do you think? Uh, should I continue this third planet of the yellow sun? Because I'd have to, you know, you have to be honest if God calls you. You have to be honest and say, well, thanks for calling God. But I I have to admit, you know, I, I, I get rid of it. it. It's time to find another time to find another planet. And, uh, and, and we know that there is water on Mars. And we've we've studied enough to know that. And so my thought from a long time ago, Mars used to be the red planet. And my thought from a long time ago, though we're not, we on Earth are not dealing with it right now, is that Mars, is, is it was in a position that we're in. There's going to be a nuclear war because once one of the bombs goes, they're all going to go. And once that happens, it, 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 it blew up Mars. And now Mars has had the time to to get better, whereas we're on the verge of blowing ourselves up. So I think it'd be cool. You know, Mars, we know, as I say, we know we have water on Mars. We know we can grow uh, at least, um, uh, to, to, not tomatoes, we can grow tomatoes, but uh, lettuces on Mars. Mm. And there are a lot of other things too. But if you're gonna do something in an alien situation, in all fairness, ladies, you have to send black women because we can, we are we are miracle workers. We we can do anything, <laughs> and, and so I think it's important. And people laugh at me and they say, "Well, you know, it's it's aliens. If you go to Mars, it's aliens." And I said, "Well, that can't possibly bother me because I'm a Black American. I, I'm I'm in an alien country, and mm-hmm. right now, 45 is an alien president. So right, yeah, no. aliens don't bother me. I, 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 there are some aliens I would uh, not actually prefer." Because it would make more sense <laughs> to talk to some of the aliens from another planet than it is to talk to some of the aliens who are living in the White House. Can I ask, Nikki, you mentioned having a friend who worked at NASA, and then you mentioned Star Trek. Is outer space something that has been with you for a long time? My sister and I shared um, a bedroom when, when I was growing up, when we were growing up. And I don't know why, I really don't. But Gary liked to be, you know, if you share... With it. there's one side of your room that is uh, on the wall and there's another side on the um, on the window and I don't know why I really don't but uh, she didn't want to be on the on the window and so she her she says I want the wall and she's your older sister so she gets that but I could look out the window and see the stars twinkle so you, mm. you get the little twinkle twinkle little star how I wonder where you are but you know you're looking at at space and you're, you're saying there, there has to be something there because we are a species who has no regard for anything that we don't know, for anything we don't understand. And I think that that's, uh, I think that's a shame because we are yeah. depriving ourselves of knowing something else. But I used to look at the stars and I thought, yeah, something's got to be there. It, it can't, we can't be the only life. This, this, that, that's illogical, as Spock would say. It's illogical, Captain. <laughs> so I'm going to bring it back down to one of the most earthly things possible, which is food, 
which is a huge part of your book. It's just, it. I, I almost was getting hungry reading your poems. You know, I really got a sense that food for you is a cultural marker. It seemed like it was a point of pride and a source of nourishment as well. Um, what did it, What is it specifically or generally or beyond what I suspect that about food that calls to you as a poet? Why, why do you put it in your poems? Is it something as basic as I just love it or is it more complex? I was very lucky. I had a wonderful, wonderful grandmother and she and I cooked together and I, I'm still um, upset with myself. I have never learned to make biscuits and I am finally getting to the point that I'm going to admit that I probably never will. I can do drop biscuits, but I can't do uh-huh. rollout. And grandmother could make rollout biscuits. And I've always wished, oh, I wish I could do that. But I cooked with grandmother. I cooked with my good friend, uh, Tony Morrison. I cooked with, uh-huh. with Maya Angelou. And I cooked with a really excellent cook, Margaret Walker. It's a bonding. Women cook together. We bond through that. The food is there because you have to eat, yes. But it's more than that. It's something we do. I don't know about non-Black women, but I know Black women always think we're the best cooks. And so whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, is being cooked. We, yeah, mine is better than yours. And <laughs> Maya, Maya and I used to, Maya Angela and I used to uh, fight about that because she would say, you know, well, you're a pretty good cook, but not as good as I am. I said, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm way better. <laughs> and we would fight about that. And I'd go down. She only lives two hours from, from where I am now. And I'd go down and, and uh, we'd cook. So I'd cook something because she ultimately, as you know, was in a wheelchair and she had a, a professional which I do not. She had a professional kitchen, so her kitchen was gas. So wow, she could not. Uh, she couldn't go into it. She had to stand back. She had to sit back because she was sitting back. And so I could cook. I said, you know, you stand, you sit there, and I'm going to show you <laughs> how to do it. <laughs> so you can imagine how that went, right? It's just a lot of fun. It it's a way of coming together. Nikki, thank you so much. We have asked you all of our questions. I loved hearing your responses. Thank you so much for being a guest on our show. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be to be a part of it. That was Nikki Giovanni, whose book, Make Me Rain, is out now. To find out more about all of Nikki's wonderful books, please visit bookclubgirl.com slash podcast, where you can also find links to everything mentioned in this episode. Like what you heard? Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, give us a rating and leave a review. Another way to help spread the word about the Book Club Girl podcast, tell a friend. It really helps others to find us. You'll hear from us again in two weeks when we'll be speaking with New York Times bestselling author Julia Quinn, author of the beloved Bridgerton series, which is being adapted for Netflix. If you want to start reading her books before the podcast drops, head over to hc.com and use promo code bookclubgirl for 25% off and free shipping for any book discussed on the podcast. You can also join our next conversation. We will be speaking with Craig Grossi, author of the hopeful and uplifting memoir, Craig and Fred. If you have a question for Craig or his dog, Fred, you can email us at thegirls at bookclubgirl.com or post in the comments on our Facebook group. Please also feel free to leave us a voicemail. Our number is 212-207-7336. Before we go, we'd like to thank Charles de Montebello, who produced today's episode, all of our listeners for helping this fledgling podcast take flight. 
And of course, to Nikki Giovanni herself for setting up a home studio and joining us for this conversation. We're so, so grateful to her. Until next time, I'm Tavia. And I'm Eliza. Happy reading. Make me rain. Make me rain. Turn me into a snowflake. Let me rest on your tongue. Make me a piece of ice so I can cool you. Let me be the cloud that embraces you, or the quilt that gets you dry. Snuggle close, listen to me sing on the windowsill. Make me rain on you. No pancakes, please. I don't like pancakes or waffles, though I will sometimes eat a biscuit or a roll. I don't like French toast, or for that matter, American toast, or break smashing things between two pieces. I think doughy things are an abomination, and I would starve to death before I ate Kentucky Fried Chicken. I know no white man on earth ever fried chicken. I refuse to eat a lie, but I understand I have to do some things, so I hope it is green. Please, make me rain so I can be a weed that something will find useful. Maybe a mathematician or maybe a poet or maybe just a star at night guiding wise folks to Bethlehem.